Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. Just before we start today's podcast, we've got some exciting and important news to tell you about our podcast. As of now, our podcasts will be hosted on the Global Player app. Now, don't worry, if you listen to us on other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But we recommend you download the Global Player app to listen to our podcast before it's released on any other player. The Global Player is available to download on iOS and Google stores. I'm Ben James and welcome to the latest episode of the Isolation Rugby Care Package. We're joined by another fantastic guest today. We've got Rugby World writer, world-winning journalist Alan Dimmock with us. Alan, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Um, I've been watching a lot of telly, so I've probably got a lot to talk about here. Exactly. I mean, it's we have got a lot of time to go over rugby content at the minute, which means that this podcast, in theory, should be a cracker because there's so much to sort of choose from. And, and you've got some great clips in here, I've got to say. Well, well, this is there's a lot of what I've picked here is you know those moments where you you know idle hands and all that, and you're um, you're you just fall down a rabbit hole, and you just find some old stuff that you're like, oh god, remember that, um, and it's just I mean, hey, but there's no live sport on, so we're all falling into nostalgia. I think uh, the English are getting in a bit of a tizzy because they're watching Euro '96 on uh, ITV at the moment. It's all about looking backwards, isn't it? So uh, I delved into the archives to find some stuff here um, that, to be honest, even I'd forgotten about. Um, so it's some good, some stupid. Uh, it's just good to look back sometimes. Yeah, let's let's start with the first clip then, because um, I remember I remember seeing this on your Twitter a few weeks back or whenever it was. And I, I'd never seen it before. It's a, it's a pretty short clip, and it, it sort of speaks for itself. But go on, it, it explain what it is. Okay, so uh, particularly at this moment in time, social media and Twitter in particular can feel a bit like a writhing cesspit of people shouting at each other or trying to get one up on each other. But every so often, something beautiful happens on there. And a couple of years ago, um, I just had this memory. I was like, surely this... Am I remembering this right, or is this madness? I'll, I'll throw it out there and see if anyone takes it. And it was—I'd had a vague memory of Felipe Contepomi playing for Bristol Shoguns, as they were at the time, uh, scoring a try, then running straight into the stand, sitting down and applauding his own score. And I thought, is this a fever dream, or did this actually happen? So I put it out there. And a guy called Damien Derrick, um, uh, this is October 2018, a guy called Damien Derrick, who worked at the BBC, actually went into the archives, found footage from the game and ripped a, a clip of it and put it up on, on Twitter. And it's just beautiful. It's it's as, as, exactly as I remembered it. Uh, Contopomi cuts a line through uh, Northampton Saints, dots down and continues his run, doesn't break stride, goes over to the stand and sits in the one empty seat that's directly in front of him, surrounded by fans he's, and starts clapping. Kids are patting him on the back. Good old, older gentlemen are coming down the steps to come and see him and it's just it's just great and it's, it's a really short clip. It's less than 10 seconds I think but it's beautiful. But the thing for me is that it highlights that when social media like Twitter works well, it works really well and you can get beautiful stuff like this. Now I'm sure it's been rift, ripped off a million times and no one's credited Damien. So this is my my time to say, Damien Derek, thank you very much for going going through the trouble of going into the archives and finding that clip because it's beautiful. Because as I sort of 
winded up the sort of like scrolled up the thread I noticed the Bristol Bears as well they tweeted you the match report didn't they to confirm that it did happen before yeah. there was any video evidence absolutely and it's just it's it's great when you can help each other out with little things like that and it's amazing how stuff like that can fall through the cracks um and again it's you know it's light-hearted stuff and it's one of the it's the lighter side of social media that works like um i find myself being bored at the start of lockdown and putting together a, a thread i think you'd call it of um of gifts of just stupid rugby things and in it was stuff that i don't think people had seen before like i had a clip of sergio parisi doing a television advert for in Italy and it was him running through um, uh, people carrying boxes um, and then you know Richie McCaw doing an advert for Beats and it's him waking up looking at critics on TV whilst drinking his mug of coffee and those are the things that will probably be lost so it's good to just get little clips of that and actually fittingly I, I put this because I wanted to give a shout out to, to when people do nice things for each other on social media as opposed to screaming at each other about how they're cancelled and um I wanted to put this up there, but it was very nearly, and I'd like to give a shout out to it anyway. Is um, it, today is the is would have been Jonah Loma's birthday, and whilst I was looking for this, and I was looking at the gifts of stupid things and the adverts that Sergio Parisi had done and everything, I stumbled across the old advertisement for Adidas, which Jonah Loma did. And I don't know if you remember this, but Jonah Loma. There's someone. There's an abandoned fish in the middle of the street in New Zealand somewhere, and Jonah Luma comes out of nowhere, full kit, scoops up the fish and starts running to try and rescue it and throw it back in the water. He, I think he runs through a, a car wash. He bumps into a van and nearly knocks it over, dives and then throws the fish in, and it's interspersed with all these things. But it's just one of those classic advertisements from back in the day that I think a lot of people probably have forgotten about. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about it. Um, I, lo- I love it just for the fact there's no context why the fish is there. And then no, it also, it also I, contains the phrase by Jingo, which is just brilliant. The guy who says yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And who, look, who needs context when it's John Luma running down the street? It's like, you know, he, <laughs> there's little moments in that advertisement where I think, I think he jumps on top of a car because, you know, traffic is crashing into each other in front of him, but he needs to get this fish into the water. And he jumps in, and it's just not even subtle, like just slows slows right down, zooms right in on his Adidas trainers. It's like, yep, yeah, fair enough. This is blatant, but I love it anyway because it's John Olomo. It's literally like a freeze frame, isn't it, on his on his yeah. trainers. And then at the end, yeah. it's, uh, what's, the, what's the line? It's like, Adidas will make you a better person you care about, is it? It's like fish. Oh, yeah, Adidas <laughs> makes you better. Yeah, yeah. No. To be fair, that is good. And do you remember adverts like that? We don't really get stuff like that anymore. It's now, you know, when you see, <laughs> going completely off a tangent here, but you see a lot of stuff now and it's about like, oh, get, putting my headphones on and working really hard and I'm going to beat the day and it's, I might even just be a normal person, but look at these incredible sporting feats that I can achieve when I wear this kit and it's all pumping music and it's like, no, let's bring back a bit of sense of humour with stuff like this. In fact, it's, it's funny, um, Rugby World, we are we're, we're working on a, an issue um, uh, coming up that will look back through years of our history because we, we've started in 1960. I wasn't there then, obviously. I'm only 32. But uh, we we recently went through the, the archives of uh, commissioned images that we took and actually discovered that back in the day, I can't remember how long ago it was, we took John Olomu to Legoland Windsor <laughs> to take pictures of him so it looked like he was a giant in amongst I think he was running through Oxford Circus or something and just looked enormous it was like I th- possibly a riff on King Kong when he climbs the Empire State Building that kind of thing and I'm pretty sure we'll be bringing back 
some pictures of that to show people because you know why not celebrate moments like that and it's just I, I, one of my favourite things to do is look back through the years of some of the that now that's a great picture and I'm glad we'll be sharing that again but there's some out there that people you know people will regret seeing I might chuck some on social media when this goes out but there's um there's ones that one of my favourite ones is way from the archives is Campesi's wearing a wearing a cloak and has a magician's wand and. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of stupid ones. I mean, uh, Warren Gatland will, I imagine, forever regret, or maybe not, dressing up as a sea captain for the line for the advertisement for the Lions tour in 2013. Yeah, I can't imagine Campesi regrets <laughs> the, the cloak. No, and, no, and it's, that's true, actually. Yeah, but oh, yeah, there's a, a different era. That's incredible. That I've never seen the the, the Loma ones. That that's just brilliant. But it's it's yeah. an interesting point you make about how you know social media helps find these clips because obviously with like football you know you go on YouTube you can pretty much find the clip anywhere of, of any game but rugby I don't know the, the, when it comes to archive footage it's a lot harder to find things I was speaking to um, Squidge recently actually about the fact that I have this memory of Joe Beerman kicking the ball sideways in the backfield for no reason playing for the right. I think playing for the Dragons against the Scarlets he just you know he, he caught the ball in the backfield and he thought I'm going to do a kick pass across the pitcher and he just did it and it went nowhere and it's one of those yeah. like specific memories of a game that you remember that stick with you, but you can find the footage anywhere. Yeah, it's a shame. It's it's it, it's interesting. Like it, it depends on even at major games, it depends on who you are and what coverage it gets. Because I mean, like you're right, soccer it gets the coverage of soccer and golf to a large extent as well. Like there's cameras from every angle. Like you can see everything. There's always someone filming stuff. Whereas you don't have to go that far back for rugby. For it's like if the the certain number of cameras in the stadium didn't pick it up, you ain't. Ever Ever seen that so um you know it's like a, one of the ones i think of was just i recently tried to find a clip of um Cerevi scoring at the hong kong sevens i think possibly his last time he was playing there and he was playing with some modern greats of the fiji team but it was like you know this is Cerevi. And he scored a try and there's a great picture of him like a snap one of the snappers got a shot of it but i'm not sure if there's any good footage of it and if anyone can find it I'd be pretty grateful it's him running through to score a try and obviously it's it's a valedictorian effort it's celebrating Cerevi what Cerevi's given to the game of sevens he's running through with his hand sort of held up like a waiter carrying a tray but he's got the ball in it and he's running towards the posts to dot down under it and it's just like it's just a lovely celebratory moment and it's the, the, the images of it are great but I'm, I'd love to see some video footage even just a, a short clip of it because I feel like I've seen the photo of that, like you say, yeah. numerous times, and yet, yeah, I've never, yeah. I've never seen the try itself. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it's an interesting one, but it's it's fantastic that you found that clip of Contaponi. It's a it's a brilliant clip. Yeah, yeah. Once again, thanks to Damien Derek for doing it, and uh, you know, uh, again, going back to the bad side of uh, of Twitter and social media, it will been ripped off a million times, and people won't have given him any credit. So it's just good to give a, a wee nod and say. Damien put the effort in to go through the archives, which is mad to think that you have to go through the archives to find uh, footage of professional sport, but uh, very appreciative that you did. Indeed. Um, let's move on to the second clip then. Um, slightly different. So, so yeah, um, lockdown, no rugby on, and also, I mean, you know, in, in certain parts of the country, there'll be a relaxing of, of uh, certain... Uh, how you're allowed to act during lockdown and the amount you can exercise and go out. Um, but it's interesting. It, 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 but there's been an intense focus recently of people going, 
maybe I should actually get into exercise or, or get back into it after years of disrepair uh, and look into it. And there's some great stuff that's been, been shared around. And, you know, we've seen, you know, Joe Wicks is helping the nation exercise, um, you know, until this, I'm not sure I knew, actually knew who he was. Um, but from a rugby point of view, there's been a lot of former players and um, current clubs sharing a lot of stuff i'm thinking yeah in like off the top of my head a lot of clubs have been sharing what their players have been doing in lockdown and you know delivering equipment to people there's some fantastic shots from around the world really of people exercising in isolation and if you get the current issue of the magazine actually you'll see in the front that there's uh, a series of photos of um of um oh, his name's completely fallen out of my head now fly half for new zealand Ugh. Um, anyway, no, 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 the other fella, uh, two times world player of the year. Oh, Bowden Barrett. Yes, Bowden Barrett. Yes, <laughs> him doing kicking practice on his own in isolation, and a snapper's taken it with a long lens from far away. But it's him cycling to, to and taking kicks. There's loads of there's some great pictures on from last week of the Harlequins women working out in their in their garage. Um, you know, there's some shots from New Zealand of people working out, and it's. It's a great way to see how people are coping in isolation. Edinburgh Rugby, um, a guy, uh, Charles Shield, was doing, uh, was demonstrating squats whilst holding his microwave, for example. So people are making do. And one of the things we did is we asked former um, Sail Sharks in Canada um, fullback Phil McKenzie, who's a personal trainer, to just do us a little clip. And to be honest, it's been a godsend to see like just little drills you can do in a short period of time when you can find the space. And I think it's great to, to show that. Now, not everyone might be able to up to that level, but I think it's good to show uh, certain options that you can get or showcase what people are doing. And also because there are a lot of people, Phil John, for example, is one who's been doing a lot of um, video sessions online that you can sign up for, for juniors as well. And, and not just fitness that you can do in your home, but skills you can do. And it's great to be able to share that kind of thing because there are a lot of, you know, we talk a lot about the big business of rugby and how we're struggling with no games on. And, you know, there's the spectre of the RFU are saying they could lose £107 million if the November tests aren't on. And, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom. And actually, we think we like to think about the big business stuff. And there's a lot of chat at the moment about player wages. And the French, for example, are a way to the clubs have put a proposal in for how much wage cuts should come in for the collective. So they're thinking collectively, whereas, um, over here it's more um, place by place and it's every union seems to be acting differently we tend to forget about the smaller people that work in the satellite industries of rugby as well and there's a lot of former players who will be personal trainers or or, or stepping into the S&C side of things who, you know, without clients to go and see, they'll be struggling a bit. And, you know, there's webinars that they can do and that kind of thing. But if you can just nod to these guys and say, you know, they're still doing great stuff in isolation, and particularly someone like Phil John, actually, who's, you know, working on cat flat passes into couches with for, for young kids and that kind of thing, then we could give a nod. So I wanted to say Phil McKenzie's helped us out with a video of, I think it's 11 minutes most, Max, that he's working out for. But just him, and he's topless, and he's putting us all to shame because he's a personal trainer and he's, he's absolutely cut to shreds. But uh, just a wee nod to these guys. And he's got the, um, you can tell he's a personal trainer because he's got that incredible knack of saying things which are in no way positive and yet sounding so positive about it. <laughs> Well, I th- it, it, we cannot hide from the fact that he's from North America as well. So the, the enthusiasm is always going to be <laughs> exactly. turned up to 11. Um, but, you know, uh, 
you know, a fairly popular figure in the game. He's he's played over in the UK for a number of years and has gone back over there. And it's just he's he's a nice guy. We have in the back of the magazine every month we've got a, a section called Boot Camp where we have an in-house nutritionist that gives it eating advice for your average person to try and align it with what the elite athletes do. And also we try and give some exercise stuff. And he's helped us out with a few of those. Uh, very happily helped us out with a few of those in the past so it's uh, this is us sort of and he as soon as lockdown happened he said I'll, I'll help you guys out no problem I'll do you a bespoke video and he's doing his own you know you can catch up on his I think it's called Lean Squad you can catch up with him on Instagram and he's doing it over and over again but it was very good of him to help us out and say here's a video for your readers that you can look at I think this is possibly the first video that we've had so far on this series that actually probably helps people well, nice. I, I'd, I'd argue that they all helped people in some capacity, <laughs> exactly. and I must say, and I must say, you know, uh, my, like a lot of people, as I because of work um, and well, many other reasons, stopped playing to, to focus on the, the writing side of things. And I'll tell you what, since you, if you don't play or you don't go to regular rugby training, there's certain aspects of your fitness that that go down, and it's it's been a good period for a lot of us I think to try and get back into it and you know like a lot like a lot of front former front rowers running is not my friend so I'd also at this point like to give a shout out to uh, and it's not new and it's been around for years and people know about it but Couch to 5k um, is, is incredible and I'd just like to say thank you to Michael Johnson for being so encouraging to me over my headphones it's good to know he's got <laughs> it's good to know that uh, an Olympic medalist like that has my back that's very reassuring isn't it yeah Fantastic. Um, let's move on to the third clip then. This is, uh, as a proud Scot, I imagine this is uh, a clip you're going to love talking about. Well, so, in some regards, yeah. Yes, in some regards. Well, there's a, I'll, I'll give you a story. There's a reason why I've put this up, and there's a reason why I've had to rewatch it. But, um, you know, and we take a lot of pot shots uh, at governing bodies um, for the way that they handle things. But I think it's, and, you know, They've not been perfect, and there's a lot of scrutiny on the Scottish Rugby Union for, um, for example, the the amount of wages that they're paid to uh, their their CEO Mark Dodson. You know, over the last few years, we've had a lot of stuff about non-disclosure agreements and sackings and that kind of thing, and it's it's not been a uh, it's not been a bump-free road uh, for the SRU for the last. Um, couple of years, I'd suggest. But one of the things that they've done well, and you have to give them credit when they do stuff like this, is they've put a lot of stuff on their social media um, for the two pro teams, but also uh, the Scottish Rugby Union. That is, you'd have to say, is purely for the fans, and it's reliving classic games. And a lot of people are doing it, but it's great that the SRU managed to get hold of of these games. I mean, last week they did a thing. I've seen some people moan about it because people will moan about anything, but. Um, they had Tom Kitchen, the Michelin star chef, who's based in Edinburgh, doing cook along for for the week uh, through the Scottish Rugby Union. I mean, that's a pretty good thing because you know people are running out of ideas and not everyone knows how to cook for themselves. Uh, so appreciate stuff like that. But what I've looked at is just the old games that they've been chucking up there uh, for watch alongs, and I picked this one because Ireland played Scotland at Croke Park of all places. Um, in 2010 Scotland were heading towards a wooden spoon Ireland were heavily fancied to win that game Um, I believe they were hunting the triple crown and I was actually at that game but um, the night before I played for the Scottish Club International uh, we're playing against the Ireland Club International which is basically made of the top tier of amateur players from each country face off against each other in in a sort of test match 
uh, we played against them and we went, uh, it was a, we'd narrowly lost, I believe. And we went out in the town and everyone thought that we were the Irish, the Scottish national team. Now, why people would think that we were the Scottish national team heading out on the, on the booze uh, the night before playing again, a test match. Well, maybe they thought Scots were resigned to, to, to loss. Um, but it was just a phenomenal weekend and we all got free. After that, we all got tickets to the game. I'll level with you. Some of the lads, the amateur lads, scalped their tickets and spent the money at the pub. Uh, but uh, some of us went to the game. Now, what people might not know about Croke Park, and I'm not sure if it's still the case, but it certainly was then, you were not allowed to take booze from the bars onto the terrace. So myself and a, another uh, player got chatting to some folk. We saw the phenomenal try uh, by Johnny Beattie where he just bashed off a number of people and actually... People will remember that, but they won't remember the offloading skills um, from a few of the guys down the touchline, particularly from um, Barkley and uh, Kelly Brown and um, Graham Morrison uh, working down that touchline. Incredible stuff. And then Johnny Beattie just bumped off three lads in the corner to score. We missed an awful lot of rugby after that because we were at the bar and then we came out at the end to see Dan Park slot an impossible kick from the touchline to win it. And it was, I don't think people appreciate how against the odds it were, how bad Scotland had been in that Six Nations. Um, but to see a moment like that at Croke Park, we then went out afterwards. And once again, a lot of people presumed that we were the, the Scottish national team. Now, ashamed and not ashamed to admit that we, played along with that for a bit when you were people were letting you skip queues to go into nightclubs or people were buying you drinks you weren't going to correct too many folk um the guy i was with looked a bit like max evans i have no idea who it was they thought i was um potentially might have thought i was alan jacobson but you know what i'll wear it because the guy's an absolute hero um but yeah it was just an incredible day and so i, I wanted to re-watch this because i'll be honest there was a lot of it i hadn't seen I mean, it, yeah, it's that is a fantastic story, and it, it, yeah, it's a great game. Um, I, I don't remember Scotland being that. But I, I'm, my main memories of Scotland in the Six Nations are the Wales game, so I don't remember them being that bad because, yeah, let's be honest, you won that Test match, and, and until the last five minutes where it just went mental, but like the you know the killer yeah. bees were relentless that day yeah I mean uh, that Wales match is particularly painful for a lot of Scots of my my generation to talk about we won't talk he who must not be named we won't talk about him <laughs> jinking in uh, to score it's just oh, nightmare he was like smoke trying to catch him um, but yeah and uh, you're right it was the thing is is there was I think the, what made it so bad was there was a lot of optimism about that this was at the Andy Robinson's era this is when we actually first saw Gregor Townsend coming come into top end coaching as an assistant and there was a lot of promise and it was never quite fulfilled certainly not in that tournament and it, it's you're right it was left to that last minute um but you have to as well take out what a performance from Dan Parks um in that game you know, uh, slotting drop goals and kicking from the touchline and just being calmness personified. And, you know, he's an interesting figure. He's a sort of cult hero for a lot of people. And particularly if you speak to teammates of his from the Glasgow hero era, none of them have a bad word to say about him. You know, there'll be people in Cardiff, there'll be people in Connacht that know a fair bit about him. Um, but you would never have held him up as a world great. And Scotland were in that era where they were, and certainly, if you look, there's some interesting names when you look through that team and go, oh, yeah, 
And, you know, Phil Godman was on the bench, for example, never came on for him because Parks was playing so well. Um, and uh, Nick DeLuca play, had an incredible match. I mean, there's that moment at the end where him and Simon Daniele call Rob, catch Rob Carney at the end, which leads to the penalty, which leads to the, the kick from the touchline to ensure that Scotland win. And it's those little moments from folk that you just say, yeah, but right then, right there, that was their special day. And, and it's, it's good to look back at that. And also just because through the haze of it all, I didn't actually know what was going on. So it was good for me to, to see how certain little parts of the game panned out as opposed to just the one big try and then that scalp and kick at the end. And another memory that comes around is... Um, so I was lucky enough, actually, my father was the team doctor for the Scotland Club International uh, from Dundee for years. Uh, and we know... We know um, Dr. Robson, who's the Scotland team doctor. And there was a nice moment where, because it caught a lot of people off guard, that result. And I remember the lap of honour from the Scotland team around Croke Park. And to be fair, you know, we talk about how, how much animosity there is in the Six Nations. And even during that game, after Johnny Beattie had scored, I remember Paul O'Connell being all fired up, ensuring that Dan Parks took the kick from exactly where the try was scored rather than inching and and just looking a bit uh, bristling about it. And but at the end, a lot of Irish fans were saying, you know, well done, the better team won, that was a great game, that kind of thing. And the Scotland players did a, a laugh of honour. And I remember that they came round to where the, the, a lot of the Scotland Club International guys were, and a lot of them leaning into the crowd for hugs, and Dr James Robson came over and big hug. And it was just a nice moment, and it's just good to look back at those, and it's like, I suppose that's the magic of the Six Nations, isn't it? You can have a completely up and down tournament where you lose a couple of games, you win a couple, but a, a huge lick of gloss goes on it if you you win a significant game at the end. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I think that was that was the last game at Croke Park, I think, for Ireland, and they were on for I triple so. crown. Yes, they were. Yeah. So it's just you know. Look, Scotland. They may not they may not win it that often, but they're very good at ruining the party, uh, smearing a bit of crap on someone else's <laughs> campaign. I mean that's that's not a bad uh, reputation to have, is it? Well, it's not not brilliant in terms of not winning it, but I guess being the party poopers is quite nice from time to time. No, but it's interesting, you know, that point about a lick of gloss at the end of a campaign rings true because I spoke to um, some folk at Scrum Five recently about they wanted an outsider's perspective on the um, 2007 World Cup game when um, uh, you know Fiji um, upset Wales and. They were like, no one in, no one believes that Wales would lose that game. Why was it? And my argument was, actually, rugby is a game of momentum. And even if you win a couple of games in the World Cup, it doesn't, so performance almost doesn't matter if you let yourself believe that, that what you want is going to happen. And it didn't, it possibly didn't help that in 2007, Wales had a pretty stinking tournament, but they beat England at the end of it. And what a lick of gloss that puts on things, you know, we all, we all know how the Welsh love to beat England and if you have a result like that it's like well the campaign was bad but caveat what about that game though eh that was pretty special wasn't it yeah that's that's one of my biggest gripes I've spoken to a few people I actually spoke to James Hook about it yesterday um, right okay uh, and it's just one of my biggest gripes because I remember at the time they were playing that stereophonic song as long as we beat the English and it's like yeah yeah come on guys you know you can't you can't base your whole rugby philosophy on, on just beating England well, you say that, but I'd imagine a lot of people would feel very much the same. <laughs> but yeah, no, that 2007 World Cup, yeah, just, I mean, it, you know, hindsight is I mean, a wonderful thing, but, you know, we, we, we struggled to beat Canada 
Yeah, well, yes, exactly. But the number of tries you scored, and let's again, he who must not be named scored an obscene number of tries in that tournament. Um, Shane, I mean, and even against Fiji, you know, I think he went the length of the field in the second half when the comeback started. <laughs> And people start to believe again. But I, I did recently rewatch that actually to, before talking to people. And uh, the first, I'd say, first minute and a half of that game is absolutely bananas. Like there's there's kickoffs uh, being caught on the on the charge. There's falcons balls being fired in that bounce off people's heads. There's big hits going in. There's people making half breaks. This is in the first ninety seconds of a major test match in a, in a World Cup. You know, as a neutral watching something like that is great because we want to be entertained. And when you tune into the you know when you wake up in the early hours of the morning to watch or early afternoon as it was in France to watch watch a game of rugby, you want to be if you're a neutral when that a large part of the World Cup will be neutral games. You want to be entertained, and I mean, you know, that was hell of exciting. Um, just not quite the right result, or as expected at the end yeah. of it. I think that's you know, it's coined the phrase now. Anytime we play Fiji, it's, it's, let's not fall into the trap of playing their game, which is yes, you know, exactly. purely down to that match, and yet we still seem yeah. to do it whenever we play them. Maybe don't go out in the batter a couple of nights before as well. Well, at the races, you say that, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nah, but a uh, great, great story about you know going out in Dublin and being mistaken for the team. I've never quite had that. I, I've been VIP section with the Scarlets when they um, got hammered actually against Leinster in the Champions Cup semi final. But I, I was certainly not mistaken for any player. Well, it, I suppose it helped that we were all battered and bruised from the night before. Uh, for legitimate reasons, uh, another show. This, uh, this has just occurred to me. I, I wondered whether to share this or not as well. The hotel that we, the Scotland team, were, the Scotland club team, were staying in was uh, Dane Bowers was also staying in the same hotel, and they had a run in early on on Saturday morning, so late Friday night, Saturday morning, you know, early hours of the morning. Uh, bumped into his entourage, and my mate asked him a, a question that fired him up a little bit. So. It was a yeah. It was a strange day, a strange forty-eight hours, but a magical one because the, that game, you know, was so good to look back on. Yeah, there's not, nothing quite like Dublin for a rugby weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the fourth clip, uh, which is a sort of amalgamation of two, isn't it? It is. So a mate of mine, uh, Charlie Morgan from the Telegraph, was talking about watching the. Um, the clash uh, game, the the code clashes from 1996 when Bath played against Wigan, and they played a game of league and then they played a game of union. Now the game of league was an absolute bloodbath. I mean Wigan just unbelievable team. Obviously dawn of professionalism. So the league players had a long history of playing professional. And I mean Scott Quinnell, for example, was playing for Wigan at the time, um, having switched codes because because of the and. Um, you know how attractive was it to play league in that era and just a phenomenal Wigan team and I think it was 80 odd points um, yes in the in the in the league clash then when it got to the union game there was a clear difference in standard as well because as soon as scrums now I'll hold my hands up here. It's one of my bugbears when we look back in time and go how amazing were scrums back in the day because if we look back at the techniques back then, it's like, it's almost a different sport. Um, and, um, 
you know, I think a lot of people from that era, yeah, anyway, that's a different conversation. In fact, you know, if you go to the early noughties, it's a completely different sport. Uh, I've covered, it covered that conversation very recently in a piece. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, and as, yeah, it, it, it grinds my gears a little bit the way we, we, the way we, we rose tinted glasses. And by the way, putting a straight put in is not going to, uh, is not going to stop the scrum from collapsing. <laughs> um, so why people keep banging on about that, I don't know. But when you bring in scrums and line outs proper rucks, yeah. and and rucks in particular i mean so what the video that i put up was the, the the union game uh from from that clash and it's it's almost worth watching it just for stuart barnes and steve o the 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 old grandee of of sky sports league uh talking talking about the clash uh, it's an interesting approach from both of them to that and then looking at looking at it and then watching the actual game itself and there was you know some great names from back then were playing in that game and I particularly liked the fact that Adebayo Adebayo scored two tries in that game just because Adi Adebayo is just a great just, just you look back and go God, remember him yes amazing um, and it's great so the Bath team is littered with names and then the Wigan team is just you know they lost that game the union game pretty heavily but what it led to for me is again this is the YouTube rabbit hole I'm talking about is went from that and I went oh forgot or didn't really know to be honest that before that second game of the clash Wigan went to the Middlesex sevens to play you know union sevens now obviously again a very different sport really but they absolutely romped it and I ended up watching um, the final from that uh, it was Wasps versus Wigan at the middle Middlesex Sevens now some people had written before I went back to the archives and looked a bit and some people had talked about how the Middlesex Sevens which doesn't exist anymore but back then was a famous name on the cal- famous event on the calendar but there's a lot of chat about how the few previous years the gloss come off it a little bit and it wasn't quite the event it had been and it maybe lost a bit of its luster whereas this the the Wigan storming in um created a bit of buzz obviously there was the code clash going around about it and actually um it excited a lot of people and it was just a um, in the end it was a hefty win for Wigan against Wasps in the final. And, it, you know, this wasn't a bad Wasps team. It was fascinating to look back and see Lawrence Delalio with hair and Andy Gummersall with some absolutely dynamite curtains um, playing for the Wasps team. Um, but they were absolutely obliterated. And a large part of it, I imagine, would be to do with fitness because in the final it was 10-minute halves for sevens, which is just hellish. But I'm just going to read out the Wigan team from the final of the Middlesex sevens. And this is just insanity. Jason Robinson, Inga Twigamala, Gary Connolly, Martin O'Fire, Sean Edwards, Andy Farrell, Scott Quinnell. Now, that was their starting team in the final, but uh, as well as that, I mentioned Gary Connolly there, but they also had Henry Paul, who was coming in and out, and really set that tournament alight. Um, and, you know, it's the way that Henry Paul plays it. it you know, went on to have a, a good cross, a great cross, cross code, a good cross code career. He was phenomenal, a league in particular, and a lot of sevens experience. Played for England sevens and uh, currently coaching Canada sevens at the moment. And just talk about thoroughbreds. What a phenomenal Wigan team! I mean, stacked, absolutely stacked Wigan team. And you know, 
they ran riot and it's amazing to see how many of those guys now are so prominent in the game of union you know it's just an interesting thing I mean a few years later we'd see Robinson playing with these some of these guys on the Wasps team for England in, in major tournaments and you know seeing Quinnell running around for, for a weekend. It was just fascinating to look back and see, like, firstly, just how ridiculous that Wigan team was, but also just to just to realise where they all went in Union later. Massively so, yeah. Um, one of my favourite bits of it is when... Because um, Wasp, Wasps had a good start, didn't they? I think they went... Were they 15 nil up at one point? Or? Yes. And Wigan have a line-out on their own five-metre line. And... Uh, Vanga Tugamala decides to do an American football throw. Yes, I, I, I did field. see that, and I was like, I mean, look, the, the techniques all over the shop are pretty questionable. It's not sevens as we'd know it now. It's a lot more chaotic, a lot more frantic, but that's what made it so fun. It's, it's sevens now uh, because of the organisation and also the the competitiveness of breakdowns and that kind of thing. It, it, you're, le- you're, le- you're more likely to see established passing patterns or just uh, unless we're watching certain teams in which case there'll be cut passes at the back door and over the over your own head and all sorts going on but it was great to see like the ability to if you please go back and watch it if anyone gets a chance because there's some phenomenal moments where someone is on a massive break a guy's covering trying to cover the whole field from left to right to try and catch them and the person as Sean Edwards did it a couple of times can stutter step and just completely change direct slow right down completely change direction and the defender just skates right past them and it was just it was great harem scarem stuff but the thing is is if you I mean you mentioned Twigamala there but in the in the Code Clash game before um, I, that led me to watch this um, Twigamala scores a try in the in it's a whitewash for Bath in the Union game but Twigamala scores a try and on the commentary Steve-O I think says he's the best player in any code and at that time he probably was and what a phenomenal talent. I mean, the audacity is just American football pass half the pitch from a line out in your own uh, your own 22 as well. In fact, it might be nearer 10. It's um, yeah, five metres. It's, it's just madness, but it's the kind of glorious madness that made that era so good. And it's it's the loose, you know, we, at the moment we're talking a lot about going back to amateur, certain elements of amateurism and that kind of thing, which blows my mind because effectively what we're asking people was to be less fit, less strong, less organised, uh, blah, blah, blah. But I can, at least I can appreciate the nostalgic element of harking back to an era where looseness reigns. And this is just the most glorious looseness. Because there's, there's one moment I think was, uh, Wigan sort of the... the they keep the ball alive for ages and, you know, they're breaking into the Wasp 22. And then I think Jason Robinson makes an offload and they throw a, a pass about 30 metres backwards to sort of try find space and it goes loose. And there's just a Wasp player just stood on halfway, clearly struggling to keep up with the game, who just catches it and yeah. throws a backdoor pass to someone else. Yes, just shows yeah, yeah, you yeah, how loose it is. No, it's good though, and I mean, like, there's a lot of bunching up and offloading to each other within ten meters of the touchline and that kind of thing. But it's great because it means that then at that point you can go, "Oh wait, we've left Martin O'Fire unmarked, and he can go the length." Um, or we've left Jason Robinson unmarked. Oh no, what have we done? This is brilliant. The other thing I loved from the the Clash of the Coast game is the referee and how. Um, over the top he is with his actions. I think there's a there's a there's a ruck early on where Wigan are penalised for going off their feet, which, yeah. is, which is hilarious in itself because it's literally just you know four league guys just 
diving over a ruck because they don't know what to yeah. do. And the referees, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, it's not camp, but it, it's, it's so over the top in his actions. It's just brilliant. Well, I think I think I remember there's a moment in that in the first half, I believe, where it goes, I think someone in commentary says, and there's the signal to stop kicking penalties. And it's like, oh, why are you kicking penalties anyway, lads? Like, come on. That's it, yeah. Um, their first, that was the, it was their first penalty. So that, that, they, they won their penalty yeah. and they kicked, they just, just Mike Cat just sticks it over for three. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, to be fair, it's like great looking back at the, the, even just the team announcements, like just looking at the, the Wigan team. I mean, again, there's some phenomenal names that weren't in that Middlesex Sevens team, for example. Uh, you know, at fullback, they've got Chris Rodlinski. And it's just like, yeah, great. That makes total sense. Um, but I, I think one of the coaches came out of retirement to play in the second row in that game because they just didn't have enough players. And you've got Andy Farrell yeah. captaining the team from second row. Now, yeah. we've seen Andy Farrell play in Union. You know, I, I don't think at any point anyone considered him playing second row. And I think there's a moment where he sort of, he gets frustrated in the scrum or something or he, he kicks out or something like that. But it's just it's just great to see them uh, <laughs> find their feet there. And I think uh, Leiden came out of retirement to play fly half as well. It's like, well, that's probably one of the, one of the, if not the most important position on the park, but yeah, crack on lads. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just great. And you know, what are the likelihood of us ever seeing a game like this again? That's the thing. Cause I mean, they, they did another one in 2002, didn't they? I think, um, was it St. Helens against Sale? Yeah. Well, ironically, Jason Robinson was playing union and I think Sale, yeah. they did, they did a half each and I think Sale won. But then, yeah, we're never... I can't find footage of that anywhere, actually. I, I mean, me, there have been code clashes since, but I don't think there's anyone that's ever had this sort of... hasn't had this circus feel on it, but there hasn't been a level of fanfare around it yeah. anymore. And it's, it's, it's something uniquely 90s about it. I mean, for a start, <laughs> the graphics are all as, as 90s as you're going to get. Um, and the, the style of play is obviously of, of an era. But... Um, there's just something I don't think you'd be able to capture this again and to be honest we're in Union now the, the way we're heading is there's a lot more chat about and there'll be a lot more interest from certain um, financial powers to have uh, a cross hemisphere clash uh, a sort of uh, cup winners cup um, event really between the Southern Hemisphere whatever guys Super Rugby ends up taking if it still exists when we come out of all this um, and and the European winners again whatever guys European Cup takes because there's a lot of designs on that but it seems more likely that we'll have a hemis- uh, cross hemisphere clash that it's likely to go right who's the Super League champions now let's get them but let's do it properly let's do it at Twickenham let's do it at Old Trafford let's do a massive game uh, lots of fanfare um you know, make a big deal out of it. It's just unlikely that we're going to see anything like this again. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's nice that this is one of the great things about YouTube and falling into a rabbit hole is that these certain things, and as we mentioned earlier, there are certain clips of rugby that are lost to memory or myth a lot, a lot of the time. Um, but there's something about this that's sort of preserved like that little fly from Jurassic Park in Amber that we can still look back on these moments and go, gosh, remember when that happened? How the hell did they get away with that? Oh, exactly. Yeah, just a different age, isn't it? That's four clips and four fantastic clips, um, or five if you count Jonah Lomu, which yeah. I think we definitely do. Uh, yeah. I think people are going to have a lot of fun watching these ones back. Um, and they'll get fit as well, which is a nice added bonus. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if they try and play sevens uh, at all like this, then they're going to be running lengths of the field over and over again when wow. we're allowed to go out again. My That's word. If they, yeah, if, they, if they play sevens like that, yeah, then, I don't know, their, their cardiovascular fitness is going to be through the roof. Yeah. Don't try and run into traffic with a fish, though. That would be my main... That If there's one main takeaway from this, don't run into traffic holding a fish unless, or holding anything. Unless you're wearing grey Adidas trainers. Yes, unless you are the great John Aloma. Um Happy birthday to the big man. Uh, you know what, what a player he was. Massively so. I think you know that's that's an entirely different rabbit hole, isn't it? YouTube rabbit hole is just watching. John yeah, Aloma, of course. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure many of us will will go down that rabbit hole. But um, that's it for today's podcast. A massive thank you for joining us, Alan. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure having you on. Uh, enjoy the rest of. Um, I was going to say enjoy the rest of lockdown, which is a, a strange <laughs> sentence in itself. <laughs> Yeah, I will be able to Sundays on my own doormat. Great. (laughs)